what is going on everybody if you're listening you're going to hear some stuff in the background today it is just a little bit rainy where i am uh, here on sunday evening as i record this for you guys wrapping up after the arkansas game from this past weekend so you may hear a little bit in the background i'm trying to dole it out as much as i can but cannot promise anything as far as that goes glad to have you guys here glad to be with you guys after a big win after we take down the hogs this past weekend uh, 37 to nothing voice is still a little bit hoarse after the game had a lot of fun at the game we're going to get to a bunch of that stuff uh, but first and foremost let's take care of some business on twitter at dog talk 20 you guys make sure you go and follow me there uh, if you listen on apple podcast make sure you rate and review give us that five stars would really appreciate it on youtube thumbs up this video give it a like and also go and subscribe so as soon as we put out an episode uh, you guys will be able to get it hopefully i can get my camera back up and working i worked on it a little bit more today still had not resolved an issue with it not not exactly sure what the deal is with that but i'm going to continue to work on that and hopefully get that uh, better by the end of the week so when we go to preview auburn hopefully we'll have the camera back up and running and have everything back to normal rather than having to use this webcam because the quality of it's not quite as quite as much as i'd like it to be but anyway, last and not least, uh, go to the website, dogtalkpod.com. Spell the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G, talkpod.com. Uh, and you can check out the website there. Always trying to keep content updated. Haven't done an article on there in a little while. Probably need to. But uh, nonetheless, you can go there. You can find the show. Uh, you can see just a bunch of content that we put up there just for fun. Again, check that out, dogtalkpod.com. All right, let's get into it. A little bit that we're going to go through. We're going to obviously break down the Arkansas-Georgia game. Awesome game. Loud atmosphere. Loud atmosphere, excuse me. A lot of fun. I don't... A little bit of news as far as injury front coming into this one, which most of you guys know as far as JT Daniels goes. Uh, then we're going to pretty much run through a bunch of the other games around the country. It was probably one of the biggest weeks in college football and more top teams went down again this week, so we're going to break down some of that near in the end. Then we're going to also jump into some of the Twitter content like we do every week, take some of your questions, go back through some of that game time stuff between the last time we recorded on the preview episode and now the review episode and just run through a bunch of stuff we had there, put out a few polls. You know how we like to do. We like to go back through that uh, and check it out. Glad you guys are here. Wherever you guys are listening, make sure you go if you're on youtube watching make sure you go and subscribe wherever you listen we're pretty much anywhere apple podcast iHeartRadio, uh spotify i know that's a big one that android users and and even apple apple iphone whatever they listen to as well so pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts we are so make sure you guys go and check us out there again hope that the rain is not too loud for you guys listening hopefully it doesn't booger up the uh, uh the audio too much but Got to get the show to you and got to do it when we can do it. Now is the time. So, uh, anyways, really glad you guys are here. And, again, appreciate you guys for be here, being here uh, listening. Let's go ahead and jump straight into the game. All right, jumping into it. Huge win, 37 to nothing. Start things off like this. JT Daniels, we were curious if he was going to be able to start this game beforehand. And right at the start of the game, uh, we realized that JT would not be the starter. I think it was a game-time decision to see kind of how – you know, he's been dealing with that oblique. Now he's dealing with a lat issue, uh, which turns out to be actually be a lat strain. You know, from what I've heard, when you have an oblique injury, this is something that happens. Your body's trying to overcompensate for that injury, and in doing so, you can actually injure other parts of your body, which is what it seems like has happened in this situation. Unfortunate for JT, hoping we can get him back. We're hoping to have him in this game. In the end, luckily it didn't end up mattering. We didn't end up having to have him. 
thank goodness on that front. Uh, but we're going to get to it because we're going to need him in the future. We may not necessarily need him this week coming up against Auburn. We may. We don't know yet. We've got to kind of see how that goes. Auburn, obviously, they ended up winning against LSU for the first time in Death Valley since 99. Uh, so they're starting to improve as well. I don't know. We're going to talk about that in depth a little bit later on in the show, but let's talk about Georgia now. Other injury fronts, Darnell Washington. We did hit, see him coming back into this game, which was really good to see. I know we had talked about that a good bit uh, in the past, so that was one thing we wanted to see. Would Darnell get any kind of action in this game? Never got, never got targeted as far as the passing side of the game goes, uh, but he actually, I think, contributed very heavily to Georgia's run game. Uh, in this one, which I was really glad to see. Tyke Smith, I wanted to see if I could see uh, any numbers on him because I did not see, I didn't see a ton. I wasn't able to see a ton of him on the field, so I, d I don't know that he really was on the field very often, uh, if at all. And again, I could be wrong about that, but sometimes it's just a little bit harder to see and kind of keep up when the game's rocking and rolling. But I definitely see, saw Darnell in there. Again, he's hard to miss. He's a huge guy, uh, and again, I think he he what's the best word to use here he helped a lot with the offense as far as being able to move the ball because we were able to move the ball on the ground for the first time in a good little while put up a good bit of yardage that's where all of our touchdowns came from as far as offensive side of things went uh marcus roseman jack saint i know we talked about this last week he's got an ankle injury he's still not in we were curious about kendall milton if he would get in he does he gets his first touchdown in a georgia uniform uh, on the game was glad to see that as well arian smith did not see him uh, we talked about tate and and, and darnell obviously D dominic blaylock didn't see him in this one as well either did get to see kieras he was uh, uh lined up in the wideout position on offense he obviously, same as he's been doing, he also did a very good job in punt return, and there were quite a few of them coming from the Hogs in this one. Not necessarily a bunch of yardage or returns necessarily, but being in there catching the ball, having those safe hands is always a good thing to have. Uh, let's jump into some of the stats real quick while we're here and on top of it. Just a great game. I'm going to run through the stats, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. Sorry if you guys see my phone pop up here. I'm just trying to keep up with everything here. All right. Let me do this while I'm thinking about it. Top 25 did drop earlier. I know last time that I did this, I did not put this up. So I want to make sure that I get this up for you guys. Also going to put the schedule up on the side because I did get that update uh, that actually came in earlier. So let me get that put up on the screen for you guys on YouTube. Again, go check it out on YouTube. There's the win. That Georgia-Auburn game, it is at 3.30. It's going to be at 3.30 so we don't have back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back, uh, lunchtime kickoffs, which is good. That one again, 3.30 at Auburn next week, so that'll be 4.30 Georgia time. I think it's 4.30. Maybe it's still 3.30. I think it's still 3.30 Eastern time. Anyway, I should have probably looked at that beforehand. Doesn't matter. 3.30 kickoff at Auburn. I also did not up there, update their top 25 as, the again, that top 25 did drop. And I can go through that for you guys uh, real quick. Let me get it pulled up on my screen. There we go. Number one. Alabama, number two, Georgia. I put that poll on Twitter. I'm going to talk a little bit about it that is kind of going live right now on you guys' thoughts as far as that goes. The one and two ranking Ole Miss did, or Alabama did take care of Ole Miss, and Georgia obviously took care of number eight, Arkansas, in this one. So we were kind of curious, hey, do they give Georgia the nod? I think if Ole Miss would have played a little tighter or maybe if Ole Miss would have won, maybe they give Georgia the nod. But they don't in this situation because, again, Alabama did do such a good job against Ole Miss in that game. So... Again, 
right now I don't think that matters. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth once we get down to some of the Twitter conversation. Moving on through the rest of the top 25 here. Number three, Iowa. Number four, Penn State. Five, Cincinnati moving their way into the top five. Oklahoma, six. Ohio State, seven. Oregon, eight. Michigan at nine. BYU at 10. Michigan State at 11. Oklahoma State at 12. Arkansas falls down to 13. Notre Dame down to 14. Coastal in 15. Kentucky cracking that top 25 and jumping way up there to 16. I thought that this was going to happen. I had a feeling that if Kentucky could beat Florida, they would be a top 25 team. And then all of a sudden you look over the next five weeks of Georgia's schedule and you've got four. Let's, let's, let, me, let me just look at the schedule here. So this week you had a number eight ranked team in Arkansas. Next week, more than likely, you're going to have a ranked team in Auburn. Now you got Kentucky on the on the board. Then you get a bye week, and then you got Florida, which at that point should still be ranked in the top 25, unless something happens with LSU. I don't know. Unless something were to happen with LSU, and that's really the only team I could see they might fall to. Yeah, they ain't going to fall to Vandy this week. But anyways, unless they were to fall to, to LSU on October 16th, Florida should still be ranked. So technically over the – this five-week span of this week with Arkansas, next week with Auburn, the following week with Kentucky, a bye week, and then Florida the next five weeks, you should have a top 25-ranked team that you'll be playing. All of a sudden, Georgia's schedule looks a lot, not necessarily tougher, but better. The resume gets to look a lot better as we move forward throughout the season. Uh, so let me move on from that in Kentucky. At 17, you got Ole Miss. 18, Auburn. They did move up a little bit. Wake Forest there at 19. Florida falling all the way down to 20th. Texas at 21, Arizona State 22, NC State 23, SMU at 24. Check this one out, San Diego State at 25. They dropped Clemson out of the top 25 after they struggled this past week. Uh, but in the end, San Diego State takes over that top 25 spot. Kind of a strange thing to see there. Uh, but anyways, now let's get into the stats. Wanted to make sure I got to that this week because last week I waited till the end of the episode before I really ever put anything up. Into some Georgia stats here. I'm going to put some of this on the board because some of this stuff really mattered to me and was really cool to see. The run game got much, much improved this past week. And again, I think a lot of that had to do with Darnell Washington, but we're going to talk about it. Offensively, Georgia, 22 first downs in this game. Third down efficiency weren't all that great, 4 for 12, but we did go for it a couple times on fourth down and we were able to make it happen. Total yards, 345 for Georgia, through the air, only through the ball, 11 times, 72 yards through the air, 6.5 yards per pass, no touchdowns, no interceptions through the air. But on the ground, 273 yards. That was 56 rushes between all of our running backs, 273 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 4.9 yards per play. Penalties, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. We did hold the ball for 36 minutes and 32 seconds in this game. Now, breaking down the stats as far as who was who, again, JT did not get the start in this one, so guess who got the start in this one? Stetson Bennett. He was the guy that had to step up and make it happen for us. He goes 7 for 11. Again, he had all the passing yards, so 72 yards through the air. All goes to Stetson. We've, we realized pretty soon that this game was going to pretty much be, be reliant on the ground, and it ended up being exactly that. There was one really good pass from Stetson. I think it was to Kenny McIntosh down the sideline, almost for a touchdown where he got tackled on like the three or four yard line. Beautiful pass. But outside of that, that's about, he had a couple other pretty good passes, but he had a couple passes in there that were not pretty. He had one that could have very well been an interception. Luckily it wasn't. Um, but again, we got to rely on the ground game. 
leading category on the ground. James Cook did lead it. 12 carries, 87 yards. Zeus right behind him, 16 carries, 68 yards. Did have two touchdowns on the night. Kenny McIntosh, 10 carries, 57 yards. Kendall Milton with his first touchdown on the night on 12 touches, 48 yards. And then you had Stetson did scramble a few times for 16 yards. John Edwards did come in and touch the ball three times also, but lost three yards in those three touches. Again, 273 on the ground, three touchdowns. The long was that 24-yard carry by James Cook. I think that's the first time, if I remember correctly, that's the first time all season we've had a run that actually went for that amount of yards. Receiving, this is kind of strange. The longest pass on the night was also to a running back, Kenny McIntosh. That one I was talking about was a 27-yard pass down the side. Uh, Lab McConkey did get three touches, 27 yards. Kiaris Jackson, one for seven. Uh, Jermaine Burton, he only got one for five. So check this out. Brock Bowers never got targeted in this game. A lot of that is because he was somewhat taken away in this game. But a lot of that is also because we didn't stick with the air game. In the future, we are going to have to be able to pass the ball when it matters. But luckily in this game, it worked out where all we had to do was run the ball. So we did that and did a very good job at it. Now, let's jump over to the defensive side of things because this is something else that I want to talk about. Get it pulled up on the screen for you guys here on YouTube. I'm not quite as fast as I used to be with some of this stuff, so there we go. Hey, it popped straight up for you. I didn't even have to do it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why I did like that, but anyways, it's another defensive... Uh, Start that over there. It's another Georgia defensive shutout in this one, obviously keeping them to zero points on the night. We held them to 162 total yards, 87 yards through the air, 75 on the ground. Also had that one blocked punt for a touchdown. So Georgia's defense, elite. That's all there is to say about it, elite. Holding this team to 162 yards, who has been able to put up pretty decent yardage in these games that have gotten them to that eighth-ranked position, now falling down, obviously. But to hold them to that and then turn around and also be able to run the ball as well as we did against them matters a lot to me. Let's look at Arkansas stats on this. Only nine first downs on the entire game. Nine to Georgia's 22. Three for 12 on third down efficiency. Really about the same as Georgia. Uh, but again, 10 for 16 through the air. Averaging five and a half, but only 87 yards on the entire night. A day, really. 75 yards on 29 attempts on the ground. Averaging 2.6 they had. Check this out. 13 penalties for 101 yards. 13. Some of that is most definitely be, to be attributed to the crowd that was in Sanford Stadium on Saturday because that first quarter was probably the loudest that I've ever heard that place. Again, first game going to this season. But even listening like on TV, and I've still got to go back and watch all the, the entire game like on, on, on the TV because there is a difference in being there and what you see on TV. But the little bit that I've heard so far, it was loud. And in that first quarter, it really showed. You know, we had, I think, maybe it was the first or their second drive. It was so loud that they had, I think, back-to-back -back false starts right off the bat. That was awesome. And we, we just kept loud pretty much the entire time, really until the fourth quarter when a lot of people had started to leave and it started to fizzle out. Still loud, but not nearly as loud as that first quarter. So everybody answered the call that Kirby was looking for, which was to let's show up, show up early, be loud and proud, and we did that. We did a very good job. And again, I think we attribute at least five penalties just to the crowd alone. I'm just saying. Take that for what you will. 13 penalties, 101 yards. They held the ball for 23 minutes, 28 seconds. Georgia had six penalties on this one for 40 yards. A, a pretty interesting stat here. 
there were no turnovers in this game. There was the block punt that was a touchdown for Georgia, but there were no turnovers. There were no fumbles. There were no interceptions. Just the block punt that Georgia blocked landed on it for a touchdown in the end zone right there in front of us, which was which was obviously awesome. Uh, but glad to see that. We didn't make mistakes. We had one opportunity where we probably could have had a mistake. Luckily, the guy didn't intercept the ball that Stetson threw right to a defender. I don't know if he was paying attention or what exactly didn't read it right, uh, but that's where we ended up on that. So luckily, we didn't make mistakes, but they also didn't. And to still carry this game 37 to nothing without them making any mistakes in this game says a lot. Georgia did come up with a couple of sacks on the night, and they were big ones. Ended up with four total sacks on the night. Looked really good. Devontae Wyatt got one and a half of those. Also, Nakobe Dean at the same time. Adam Anderson, he also got in on one of those tackles as well. So... Actually, Devontae White had one by himself, and Nakobe had one by himself. Then both of them had that, that one where they both tackled him, and then Adam Anderson with the one as well. Again, no turnovers, but Devontae White does carry us on defense. Six total tackles, three of which were solo. Adam Anderson, five, three of which were solo. Channing Tindall, five, two of which were solos, also with a tackle for loss. Nakobe Dean, the four total tackles, one that was a solo, two that were tackles for loss. Uh, Amir Speed, three tackles, two solos. Chris Smith, three for two. Jordan Davis, two for two. Uh, Nico, uh, Nylon Smith, two for two. I mean, we had, again, you know how it is. Kirby's going to put a heap load of guys in there uh, to be able to make this thing happen. And they did that. They did a very good job at it. Um, in the end, three punt deflections, or pass deflections, excuse me. Seven tackles for loss, four sacks on the night, 51 total tackles, 23 of which were all solos by solo guys. So over basically 23 guys, almost 23 guys, I think it ended up being a little less than that this week, that Kirby got in and got their hands on the ball on defense. Did such a great job. Hot Pot or Jack Pot looked really good in this one. Went three for three on the night. Had one long of 46 yards, so he did add points. Uh, for us, 13 total in the night, including his extra points. Obviously, that's nine points just in field goals alone. Jake Camarda only had to punt the ball twice the entire night, twice. Once, I think, finally came in the third quarter before we ever had to punt the ball. So he was doing a really good job on the night. Did have uh, 87 total yards through it. This, and I looked at this stat last week against Fandy. I want to do the same stat because it was pretty funny to me uh, seeing it last week. The punter for Arkansas punted the ball seven times for 296 yards. Technically, he punted it eight times, but one of which was blocked and it was a touchdown for Georgia so fun numbers to look at there let's look at a little bit of Arkansas stuff because this matters KJ Jefferson a question that we had coming into this game was he going to be able to make the difference for Arkansas to be able to come into this game and be heard and be loud and be able to do anything to us held him 8 for 13 65 total yards he ran the ball a little bit 8 times 5 yards that was it Malik Hornsby, a matter of fact, I think it was the third quarter, he actually came in for KJ, goes two for three, 22 yards, uh, but he, and he also ran the ball four times for 11 yards. So we were able to lock both quarterbacks down very, very well uh, into this game, which I was glad to see. Anytime that we can come in and actually lock these guys down, I really, I really enjoy it just because that is where, to me, that dominance and that elite status really show up, and that's where it really comes from is – can we get in there, affect the quarterback, and in a situation where you've got a running quarterback, because we could find ourselves in a position where we're having to play somebody who is a running quarterback. And when you do that, 
you've got to be able to adjust and not only cover the guys deep like you have to in that wideout position, but you also have to be able to, in linebackers, know when to stay when you got a quarterback that's able to run. You know, then it's when you're sitting in a zone position, you've got to be in a situation where, okay, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching our quarterback's trying to move, I'm going to get him. Or, hey, he's throwing, i got to stay put, you know. Georgia did a very, very good job and did it early against Arkansas in this one. To come into this game and uh, be able to do the, do the things that Georgia was able to do in this one early is what mattered to me. To be able to get in there and score 21 points in the first quarter meant a lot. Obviously, you get the touchdown earlier. I recorded that one. I was going to put that one up here on the video for you guys. may put it on Twitter again, at DogTalk20. You go follow me there. I may put that video up there. Then Kendall gets his. And then there was right there at the end of the first quarter that we got that block punt. Then just a few field goals moving on from there. But we got on them hard, heavy, and early, which I was glad to see. I, th I felt like some of it was going to take coming into this game and, uh, and affecting them defensively for us to affect them defensively. And then also score. Put up points early, step on their throat, and, and just make them feel us. That way, you know, you get on top of them and don't give an opportunity for another team to be able to jump up on you and try to make a comeback. The defense is outstanding. And I know I keep saying that, and I'm going to keep saying it because it is. To be able to do the things that Georgia has done over the past couple of weeks, holding teams down like they have, is elite. That's, a, that's all you can say about it. I think I looked at a stat earlier that Georgia is, is able to hold uh, – Georgia's been able to hold teams over the past oh, – I, I need to look back at the stat because now I, now I can't remember exactly what it was. I guess I have to find the stat later because my stat is now gone. But Georgia has been able to hold teams to very minimal points while scoring a lot of points over the past few weeks. I think Georgia has been able to hold teams – th right now it's like an average. Georgia is scoring – over 31 points a game are averaging 31 points a game while holding their opponent to an average of three points a game. Through five weeks, through five weeks of football, Georgia is averaging 31 points and giving up three points to their teams. If that's not a lead, I don't know what is. I'm trying to get these stats to pull up. See if they will while I'm thinking about it at the moment. But as of right now, nothing wants to pull up, but that's no big deal. It's also crazy that Kenny McIntosh, a running back with one reception that was 27 yards, ended up being the leading receiver for the Dogs in this one. Let's look at a couple of things I was wanting to look at. Defensive and offensive powers. Again, this is kind of going back to some of the conversation that we were talking about last episode when we previewed this game, but these are the questions we wanted to answer. Will the, pri the presence of Darnell and Tyke Smith matter in this game? Again, I didn't really see Tyke that much in this one, but I saw Darnell a good bit. Again, he was never targeted as far as uh, uh, in any kind of pass situations. He was not targeted in this game. But I think him alone being in this game, he, he made such an impact in the blocking game to where I think it opened up a lot for our runners. He was able to uh, block in ways that no, no knock on Brock Bowers, but Darnell is a better blocker than, Darnell, or than, uh, than Brock Bowers is. And he did a great job at it. We did see some 12 personnel come in, and I got excited because I was like, here we go. You get the opportunity to see who we're going to throw to in this situation. Never happened. Never targeted Brock. Never targeted Darnell in this one. So don't know if that's just the lack of confidence. Don't know if at that point it was, hey, we're running it down their throat. They're not stopping us. Let's just keep doing it. Understandable. There was a point in time right there at the half that I was hoping that Kirby was kind of going to pick it up and maybe keep up tempo going, and we were going to try to step on their throat before the half. Uh, but 
he ended up kind of stepping back from that and just taking our time and we went into the half with the lead. No big deal. We were up 24 to nothing at the time. Uh, but sometimes you do kind of want to see that a little bit of get amped up and, and just see what we do in the end. Didn't end up mattering. But I do think the presence of Darnell Washington, at least in this game, made a huge difference when it came down to the end of this one. Brock Bowers, again, we didn't see him very much in this one. So saw him, but he was, again, just kind of the same thing, blocking. Never had to never had to target him. Wideouts didn't have to ball out in this one because the running backs did. That was what we talked about last week, too. If they can get loose and this O-line can block like they're supposed to, we can be effective, and we were. Our question was, can our offense finally start to block to where our running backs can get loose and actually make things happen in this game? And it happened. 273 yards on the ground, that's what's going to happen, and we looked really good and got that done. Defensively, what do we need to do? We got to shut down the run game and the scrambling quarterback. We did that. We did exactly that. Did not give them opportunities to score on us. There was only one play where, at that point, we had third string in. It may have been third quarter. And I think Malik Hornsby had came in where they had one guy who got a little bit deep on us. He had us maybe by half a step, maybe a whole step at most. Had to dive in the end zone to try to catch it and didn't get it. Luckily for us, but at the same time, by then we had third, maybe even four-string guys in there the way that Kirby rotates. Uh, but you still can't let that happen. And I know that at that point, hey, we're not going to have a third or a four-string guy in there when that time comes if we're in a game that's much tighter. So we shouldn't have to worry about that as much. Didn't get beat deep, which is what we just talked about there. We were able to hold K.J. Jefferson and Malik Hornsby uh, back. We were able to stop them as far as being able to run and throw the ball. K.J. did. I don't know if he was still hurting, and he just played through the hurt because he knew this is an important game. Uh, but he looked pretty decent out there as far as being able to kind of try to scramble and get out of the pocket, and a couple of times he did. But, again, we, sacked, we ended up sacking him four times on the night, so we got that done. Arkansas's defense. They did look good as far as defending the pass because even when we did drop back in a pass, we, we weren't all that effective in having guys wide open. Uh, we did have, obviously, a few hits on it, 7 for 11, like 72 yards on the night. But they did good as far as stopping that. When the run game, when it came down to the run game, Georgia was able to run all over them. We had multiple gaps that we were finally able to open up. Even when they were stacking the box, we were still pushing the ball for three, four yards of carry, which was really nice to see. And, again, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about. Again, this was the first time since 2012 that Arkansas had been ranked in the top 10, and also the first time they've been ranked as high as 8th, I think, since 2004. Uh, so glad to see that. I wanted to see maybe my stats have finally popped up. Again, prayers up to JT. Hopefully he can get to feeling better because as we move through the season, we're just going to need him. And to me, that's going to be an extremely important thing to have. Let's see, I wanted to look because there was, there was one big thing where we had like a defensive lineman. I think it was, it may have actually been, uh, oh, what was his name? I just had his name in my head. Just talked about him 10 seconds ago. Sorry, blanking on it. Put a defensive guy on the line, kind of like we've done in the past uh, with Jordan Davis, where we got both of them on the line to try to help us block when running in the end zone. And he blocked three guys at one time. I saw the replay of this earlier, and it was really awesome. That was on the far side of the sideline or the far side of the stadium, so I wasn't able to see it as outside of just watching the score. I think that was Kendall Milton touchdown, as a matter of fact, um, which, again, is cool to see, but it was one of those you couldn't exactly see that from the far side of the field. So seeing that replay was really cool. I wanted to figure out, see if I could get his name, because I just can't, I can't remember it at the moment. But anyways, block three guys in one stride to get Kendall in the end zone. That was pretty cool.
awesome to me. If I remember his name, I'll come back to it. There's a lot of other stats that I want to get to and try to remember, but at the moment, it's not working out real well. So <laughs> we'll, I'll probably hit back on some of that stuff in the previewing Auburn episode. I know it'll kind of be going back on some stuff, but at the same time, we'll still get the information to you guys. I just wanted to find the dog on name, Davis. No, that's Jordan Davis. I keep thinking... What was, what was, he's technically second string backup. I know you guys are watching this and listening going, I know who it is. Just say his name. And you're telling me who it is, but I can't hear you. So I don't know who it is. But I'm going to look it up and see if I can find it. He led the defense. Devontae Wyatt. Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt. That don't sound right. Wyatt. That's his name, but I can't think of his first name. Devontae Wyatt. It's not Devontae Wyatt. Why am I blanking on his name? I need my I need my roster depth chart right here next to me. I know, I know you guys are thinking, "Come on, guy, I'm supposed to know everything about Georgia." I keep wanting to say Devonte Wyatt though, but I don't think that's right. That doesn't feel right. Is it Devonte Wyatt? It's it's Devonte Wyatt. I knew it. it was in my head the whole time, and I just didn't think that. It, I second guess myself. You guys ever do that? You just second guess yourself. You're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I know his name." You say it, and you're like, "That don't sound right." I don't I don't think that's right. You sit there, or you spell something out. It's also weird. You'll write something down, and you're like, yeah, this is how you spell that. Get to looking at it after you write it down. Hmm. Don't look right. Type it in your phone a couple times. Then you start wondering. You're like, maybe it's not right. But you know it's right because it auto-corrects it because all your phones do that now, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you're sitting there. You're going, huh, all this time I've known how it's spelled, but that is really spelled strange. I know. It may just be me. You may all be looking at me going, I don't think I'm ever listening or watching this guy again. Hey, I get it. I get it. He's a strange fella. Devontae Wyatt, that was his name. Now I feel like that may not have even been him. It's got to be. Got to be. Anyway, let's move forward. I'm probably 100% wrong. And when we review or preview Auburn coming up, I'll apologize or I'll do it on Twitter. Probably won't. Probably won't preview. Anyway. Let's jump into some games around the rest of the league. Because I know you guys are sitting here going, why why, why are you still talking about this? All right, big games around the league. Uh, starting off on Friday, Iowa-Maryland. I know I talked a little bit about this one because I thought Maryland would come in and beat them. And when you throw five interceptions in the first half, you're not going to beat somebody. They got the dogs not bad. They beat at them 51-14, to 14, Iowa rolling. BYU, they take care of Utah State. Now, let's get into Saturday. One big one. I'm going to talk about my picks in a minute. This was one. Ole Miss, Alabama. I thought that Ole Miss could do it. Felt good about old Matt Corral. You know, him and Bryce Young, one and two in the Heisman race. <sighs> really, in this one, Lane Kiffin let me down. Yep. Going for it that many times on fourth down in the first quarter, you can do it a couple of times. And he did it and was successful. And if you're successful, why not keep going? Because had they scored, nobody would say anything about it. But they didn't. And all the momentum went from Ole Miss possibly scoring to Alabama. And when you give Alabama momentum, especially at their house, you can forget about it. Plus, anything that you think is going to be a penalty against Alabama, forget about it because it's Alabama. We figured that out. Alabama rolls 42-21 to at the half. At, that thing was 28 to nothing. It was over already. Uh, then I think four upsets, where really they're not necessarily upsets, but four of the top ten, I believe it was top ten, uh, were beat this week alone. 
And here's one of them. One upset. Number three, Oregon falling to Stanford, 31 to 24 in overtime. Penn State, they did beat Indiana 24 to nothing. Oklahoma struggled yet again with Kansas State, but ends up winning at 37 to 31. Oklahoma's not that good of a team to me. Take that for what you will. Cincinnati getting the win over Notre Dame 24 to 13. Look at them trying to make something happen. Uh, in this one with the independence there, 24-13. Number seven, Cincinnati over number nine, Notre Dame. Uh, loved, absolutely loved every single thing about this right here. Number 10, Florida falling to Kentucky, 20-13. to It's the first time, I think, since 1986 that Kentucky has beat Florida in Lexington. And, you know, just a couple of years ago, it was like the first time since 1980 that Kentucky had even beaten Florida in general. Maybe 89, it doesn't matter. Glad to see it. Anytime that Florida loses, you know, we're going to cheer for that. Uh, awesome to see. Kentucky looked really good. They did a great job in this one and got the job done. Again, 20-13, watched that one late as they held Florida back from being able to score in that one. Ohio State took care of Rutgers. Michigan takes down Wisconsin 38-17. Hey, that was a score I had for, for our game. Didn't happen. Mississippi State upsetting number 15, Texas A&M, 26-22. Texas A&M without Haynes King is just not all that great. Will Rogers looked really good in this one. 46-59, 408 yards and three touchdowns. Coastal taking care of UL Monroe. Michigan State takes care of Western Kentucky, 48-31. Hated this one. Fresno State falling for the first time, or the second time actually, but falls this to Hawaii. Didn't think they'd lose to Hawaii, but they did 27-24. And a late comeback, 17-point comeback in the fourth quarter for Hawaii to win that one, 27-24. Oklahoma State takes down... Number 19, Oklahoma State beats number 21, Baylor 24-14. UCLA being upset by Arizona State 42-23. They beat the snot out of them. That's why UCLA out of the top 25. Arizona State into the top 25. Number 22, Auburn beating LSU for the first time in Death Valley since 1999. 24-19. That was a great game there as well. NC State survives uh, Louisiana Tech 34-27. Wake Forest remains undefeated in the ACC over number, well, they weren't ranked, Louisville 3-1 at the time, 37-34. They are 24th at that time. I think they moved up a little bit in the rankings. Um, I don't have it in front of me anymore, but they are now 5-0 in the SC, or in the ACC, 5-0 and 3-0 in the ACC as number 24, Wake Forest. And then Clemson squeaking by undefeated Boston College, 19-13. Uh, that would be why they are no longer in the top 25. All right, that's the games around the country in the top 25. Now let's go ahead and get into some of the Twitter conversation. I know what I said on Twitter last week was if anybody predicted the score correctly, I'd give you a shout-out on Twitter. Uh, and also here on the show, did not see that anybody hit that correctly. I'll go back through just to make sure. Uh, but from what I looked at earlier, I didn't see any of that. I did pick it 38-17. to 17. There were two, two people, I think, that came pretty close that were like, I think one was – Maybe 37 to three, and then there was another one that was like, I don't know, 34 three. There were there were a couple of close ones, but none that actually got within six points uh, of it was I think the closest that we had gotten on any of that. Oh yeah, let me do my picks real quick before we uh, jump too far down the road here. All right, put it up on the board for you, and I'll go over it. Two for two on the week. Not all that great. I think I went two for two last week. Georgia, minus 18 and a half. Obviously, we covered that one. Went in 37 to nothing. Took LSU, minus three and a half. That one didn't happen either after Auburn gets the win in that one. Did take Kentucky, plus eight. Wanted Kentucky to win it, and guess what? They did it. So, plus eight. 
And then my lock of the week, not such a great lock with Ole Miss plus 14 and a half. I think a lot of people took that one at plus 14 and a half, and unfortunately it didn't work out for us there. So going two for two on the week, again, not all that great. Kind of stunk, but it is what it is, you know. I guess it could be worse. You know, you could be Florida. <laughs> all right, anyway, let's go back to some Twitter content. Talk about some of the stuff from last week. Wanted to go through the few polls that I put up last week. Thank you guys again for following me on Twitter and for being interactive. Always enjoy that. And we're starting to get better and better, better and better at the interaction that we do have. I did want to go back to some of the talk of uh, what are we eating for game day or tailgates in this one. Because, again, some of you guys are pretty funny. But I did put on this. Is this going to be more of a breakfast kind of kind of tailgate since so early and the tailgate that i went to yeah they had chick-fil-a biscuits out there so rob at bulldog rob did put up pork i like that <laughs> and then like i talked about last time uh, it's dog season put up food way to go there all right now to all of our polls which one again got negated for the second week in a row and that was how many yards does jt throw in this one against Arkansas, I put more or less than 250. 92% of you guys did go with more than 250. Again, ends up not playing in this one, so that one got negated. Darnell Washington, does he catch a touchdown on Saturday? Heck yeah, 58% of you guys went with that one. Not yet, said 42% of you guys. And obviously that 42% is what hits because didn't catch a touchdown on this one. Will we rush for more than 250 yards in this game? Yes, more than or no, not quite that many. 67% uh, of you guys actually went with no, 33% went with yes, and I think that, again, kind of goes back to was JT going to be quarterback? Had we known for certain at that time that JT would not be quarterback, we may have said, yeah, we'll rush for more than that, but we didn't know it at the time. Uh, at Tandy Land, or at Tandy Island, excuse me, Richard Tandy put on that, I'd say about 160 to 180 range. We do end up rushing for 273, but again, I think that's somewhat skewed because we didn't know if JT would be the starter in this one or not. Um, so that's where we end up on that one. Ended up rushing for more than 250 in the end. And then this was a little bit of a controversial, in my opinion, poll that I put up because I, I, I realized after I put it up and after I'd had a bunch of votes on it that probably wasn't necessarily the best way of doing it and that was how many points does georgia score in the first quarter okay first of all maybe i just should have said the game but then i also the, the way that i numbered it was not right because i put zero to three and then i put three to ten okay well there's two options for the possibility of scoring three points in this game and then i went 10 to 14 after that again two options for the opportunity for 10 and then 14 plus so i, I kind of double optioned everything that i put on there stupid by me but it kind of felt it would have felt weird to put four through ten on it so i just screwed that all up i won't do that again next time next time i'll do like all right zero to ten or five I, we'll figure maybe i just won't do that again i'll just put it to that how about that but in the end 10 to 14 got 53 percent of the votes 14 plus got 18 percent did end up being 14 plus points after 21 and the first, and again, I realized that I put that up. The wording on it and then the numbering, I just, listen, we're, we're not all perfect. Wasn't the greatest poll, okay? I get it. I get it. Quit hollering. Nobody's hollering but me, but anyways. But it was a lot of fun. Got to go. Got to check out dog walk. Got to check out game day. Got to check out everything. Tailgating. And then obviously the game. A little bit of tailgating afterwards as well. Heap load of fun. 
I got a bunch of pictures. I got videos, all, all kind of good stuff like that. I did want to go back to what we were talking about earlier because this, uh, not really controversial, but it is a question that I posed today. And this is going to be live readings from that Twitter that I put up because the AP poll did come out and, and Georgia does fall in that number two category. And I knew that's going to be a question and somewhat of a controversial topic for Georgia fans because we feel like maybe we should be ranked second in this situation. I've said this all along, and I'm going to keep saying this until it matters. Until Alabama struggles in a game that they shouldn't, or until Alabama loses, or until Georgia just outpowers whoever they're playing like now in the top 25, and again, it, to me it's going to take Alabama struggling in a game that they shouldn't, or losing for Georgia to jump Alabama. And I don't mind that. I'm okay with that. And, and some people are like, how can you be okay with that? Well, first of all, right now, it does not matter. The rankings don't matter at all right now. The time that these rankings that are going to start to matter really is going to be once we get into December. Once you get to December, at that point, people will say, oh, it doesn't matter till the to the bowl rankings and everything or what the top 25 for college football playoff rankings come out. It's very well true. But if leading up to it, you're way down in the poll, you're not more than likely going to be in that top four category once we start getting late November, getting into December. I don't remember when the first playoff rankings come out. I feel like it's sometime in November. Anyway, I think it's right there around Thanksgiving, end of November. It doesn't matter. But right now they don't matter. Now, I don't want to be ranked 25th, and, and Georgia being 5-0 and and as good as they are are not going to be ranked 25th. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But right now the difference in one and two does not matter because – Georgia and Alabama are the only two teams in the country right now who are putting their foot on the throats of their opponents, both offensively and defensively, and showing that they are a league above everybody else who's playing right now. Other teams are struggling. Iowa, they look good this past weekend, but they've struggled in the past. Everybody that's in the top 25 below Georgia and Alabama have struggled at some point or another. Now, you can look back and say, okay, well, you know, Kentucky just beat Florida, Florida and Alabama. Alabama struggled with Florida. Yeah, well, Georgia also struggled with Clemson, who's not any good anymore. Florida, I still think, is a pretty decent team. Clemson, I think, could be good, but they're just not showing signs of that right now. Their defense is looking good, but their offense is kind of like Georgia's was at the start of the season. We were, we were curious, is Georgia's offense ever going to come alive? And it did and has ever since then. The difference is Clemson's started to come alive that game after, but then pff, went to the wayside following that. Luckily, Georgia's has continued to be good in, in that sense. So I don't necessarily care for I don't necessarily care for Georgia to be ranked one right now because right now one and two are interchangeable to me, and probably most of the country they're interchangeable. There is something to be said about when you put Georgia in that number one ranking above Alabama for whatever reason, it makes Alabama fans go crazy, and they're like, okay, you want to be there, and it just puts that target on your back. At least being in that two spot, you don't really have to worry about it as much. You just know that that's where you're going. That's where you're heading for, trying to be. Um, so I don't mind us being ranked second. I'm not worried about that. When the time comes, come December, we get to got got a lot of ball to play, but getting to an SEC championship game, being able to play for that and win that, that's where we can start talking about where and when the rankings matter because that's when it's going to matter the most, depending on who we play, which right now it looks like it's a collision course for the dogs and for the, for the tide to reach that same game again in the SEC championship game, which we're all hoping for. And, and we, again, we've got a lot of ball to play, but I feel like we can get there. Everything looks good to be lining up in that position, but we do not have to be ranked one right now. Would it be cool? Sure. Would I like more votes in that situation? Sure, absolutely. But we don't necessarily have to be number one, and I didn't expect us to be. 
I had already started to put a tweet together saying, all right, Georgia's going to be number two in the AP poll when it came out because I kind of anticipated that being the case because Georgia did beat and, and dominated a top ten opponent in number eight Arkansas at the time, 37 to nothing. But Alabama, on the flip side of that, number one Alabama versus number 12 in the top 15 matchup, they dominated them as well, 41 to, or 42 to 21. So it's interchangeable right now. Both teams are doing really well. But I did put the question up. I said Georgia remains ranked number two in the AP poll following week five. How do you feel about it? Just wanted to get a couple of your responses on here. Response number one, at Cody Dogs CFB, hate feeds the dogs. I'm not too upset about it, but if the names weren't Alabama and Georgia, it would be different. Agreed. Team A dominates a top ten team, 37 to nothing. Team B dominates a team outside the top ten, 42 to 21. Crazy thing is, Team A was playing their backup quarterback. I do agree a little bit with that. And, the, you know, your first line there, spot on. I'm not too upset about it because the, the names are Alabama and Georgia. If it was different, that would be different. Absolutely. But it's not. And they are interchangeable. It is somewhat crazy to think that Georgia was that successful with a backup quarterback to win 37 to nothing. But then if you start to actually look at that, what did the backup quarterback do? Okay, he scrambled around in a couple of situations and he was able to get loose. Get, I think 13 yards is what he ended up rushing for on the night, trying, just trying to get loose. None of that was play calling for him to run the ball, but only threw the ball for 72 yards. You can't do that in a big game. If you're playing Alabama, our defense may be able to lock it down enough in our run game, but you can't become one-dimensional against a team of the caliber of Alabama. That's one thing to think about. And it also does not – I don't think that's enough credit to say, okay, your backup quarterback is who your quarterback was and you dominated a top-ten team this way. That is very good. I do agree. But if you look at what he actually did in this game, it wasn't nearly to the caliber of what it's going to have to be to be considered a number-one team. Now, had he come in the game being a backup quarterback and thrown for 250 yards and we maybe beat Arkansas 52 to nothing – then we're talking about probably a different question. They probably do make that jump because with a backup to do that is impressive. Again, that's that's kind of neither here nor there. Uh, down to, and this is this is what I was talking about earlier. When you put Georgia in the one spot over number two, Alabama, it just gives everybody a chip on their shoulder to want to knock you off. And that's where I agree with you at BB Dog underscore Barry. Uh, fine, no rat poison. I agree. 100% on that because that's what it becomes. It comes rat poison for not only your team looking at it saying, oh, yeah, we're the best in the country, we're number one, and gives that to other teams, but it also gives other teams in the country that opportunity to say, okay, dogs are at the top, we got to take them down. And there are still teams out there, every, every team you're going to play every week is going to say that, okay, they're at the top of the country, let's prove that we're better than them. You are going to get that, but when you put that number one next to your name, for whatever reason, it's just the pressure starts to build a little bit more than if you're not in that one spot so do i think the dogs can handle it yes because in the end of the season i feel like georgia should be in prime position to take that spot but we'll talk about that in the weeks to come uh at miles water if i said that what right miles w-a-t-t-e-r water water sorry if i messed your name up there miles go dogs uh fine with it it only matters in the end agreed exactly what we were just talking about uh at clinger underscore steven steven clinger Again, appreciate you always checking in every week. I expected to stay number two, but did not expect or did expect to get way more than nine number one votes. Hey, I agree. Again, I expect number two. And then uh, at my dog bites, also agree with you there as far as I believe 
expect them to be in that two spots, but expecting more votes again. I think eventually if these all these other coaches and all these other, you know, everybody who's voting on this, if, if you're going to say Georgia's one of the best teams in the country, let's start to see a vote actually follow behind that. You know, you can't really you can't really get into this and tell them what to do because it doesn't work. Anyway, oh, I like this one. At the Bourbon Dog, James Mitchell, Ric Flair said to beat the or to to be the man, you got to beat the man. We'll get Alabama in December. I agree. I love the gift that you posted too there, Ric Flair. That's good, and kind of what we were talking about. Once we get to December, a lot of ball to play, but we should, we're both on a collision course to be able to play in the SEC championship game. That's when it'll matter most. Uh, <laughs> This is always funny. At Ice Tray Forever, it's dog season. Disrespect. The disrespect. That's all. That's just funny to me. Jonathan Casey, at JCasey1977. Rankings shouldn't go off past accomplishments just by watching Georgia. It's obvious that they're the best team in the country right now. Go dogs. Eh, I mean, again, I agree. It is kind of hard to look at it, but you can also look at – you look at – Georgia and the games that Georgia's played so far, we've been very dominant. Our de our defense was dominant against Clemson, who is no longer even in the top 25. Whereas then you look at an Alabama, who they've been dominant in all of their games. Now they weren't as dominant as some people think they should have been against Miami, who's not good anymore. Um, and they also struggled with the Florida, who just lost to Kentucky. That may matter a little bit, but in the end, like we've been talking about through all of these other responses, is it doesn't necessarily matter right now. Again, I'm fine with where we are. Do I want us to be number one? Absolutely. Do I think we're the number one team in the country? Absolutely. Just being a dog fan and trying not to be biased by it, but I still, what I see on the field is a defense that cannot be matched. We've had situations where we've tried to be burned deep, and our defense is starting to adjust to that. That's a question that I've had. Offensively, can we get the offensive line to be able to block and open things up? But I still, through all of this, I feel a lot better about the back end of our defense. I feel a lot better about a run game, but now we've got to get JT Daniels healthy. He has got to get healthy. No knock on Stetson Bennett. I put up an entire post about him and did a blog on him back when he saved us against UAB. I say saved us. We probably could have handled that without him. But he came in and did a, 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 a just a spectacular job in that one. And it's not a knock on him, but I don't think Georgia wins a national championship with him in the driver's seat. We became extremely one-dimensional against Arkansas where we had to run the ball and rely on running the ball in defense that came up with some big stops. Jackpot accounted for nine points in that game, kicking three field goals. Now, we had to drive down to get close enough for him to kick them, yes, but defensively, that's what put us in those positions. We were able to stop them and get good field position in return in those situations to be able to keep those field goals. Obviously, the block punt for a touchdown makes a big difference as well. That's the first special team score on the year, so I was glad to see that. But we just got to continue to improve uh, in all the areas that we need to, which we're doing good. But we cannot become one-dimensional in that sense in bigger games when it matters more. We got lucky in a situation where we were able to – I say lucky, we're, we're talented. That's all there is to it, where we were able to ram the ball down their throat on the ground but I don't know that that's going to work against every team that we come against. Do I think if Saturday, if JT Daniels wasn't healthy and we had Stetson Bennett as a starter and we had to go and play Alabama in a neutral site, say Atlanta, for example, I think we could run the ball on Alabama. I will say this, and I'm going to give credit to Alabama's offensive line. Alabama's offensive line is probably the best in the country right now. The amount of time that they give – 
Bryce Young to be able to throw the ball and sit in the pocket is pretty unbelievable. Now, they also haven't faced a front four like Georgia's that is also the number one in the country. So that will be something really fun to see if everything continues the way it is, everything stays healthy. Seeing those two get to go up against each other in an SEC championship game come December will be awesome and a lot of fun to watch. But right now, that's not what's happening. And again, in this situation, if it was Stetson at the helm, I'd be nervous, very nervous. I think everybody would be because right now we're so one-dimensional with him being at the quarterback position. You saw it against Arkansas. We only threw for 70, not even 75 yards in the game. And when you're doing that, no touchdowns through the air, you're not going to be able to do it against everybody. There's going to be games where you come up against a defense who is able to slow and stop your run and you've got to be able to throw the ball. If you go back to that Clemson game, I know JT was hurt, but if you go back to that game, we didn't run the ball. We also didn't throw the ball very effectively. We got through the game and ended up winning 10-3, to probably could have won more than that, but we couldn't do anything. And if you get in a game that's a shootout like that, we have to find a way. I know I've already said that we have to find a way to get the ball through the air. We have to be able to find a way to move the ball on the ground. We can't become one-dimensional like that in other games where it's going to matter more. Again, we showed and flexed our muscle on the offensive line. And, again, I, I want to give a lot of credit to Darnell Washington because I feel like he played a key and pivotal role in that in this game against Arkansas. In the end, hey, I'm happy for it. I picked the 38-17 dogs, end up winning it 37 to nothing. So it was awesome to see. I was glad to see it and very excited for that. Um, that right now is all the responses I have on that. We're going to get to more of it coming up, but I'm pretty much going to wrap it up there. Again, I'm sure I'll have more stats and all that fun stuff to kind of get to, uh, but you know how I like to do it. I like to get this episode out for you guys to have on Monday mornings, even late Sundays for most most anybody. If you listen, I know a lot of people are pretty tuned in to NFL on Sundays, so I try to put it out you know, mid to late afternoon so that way it's up, and if anybody wants to listen to it, you've got the opportunity to be able to, but for the most part, it's for Monday. Um, that way everybody can check it out, watch it, listen to it, all that good stuff. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up here. I'll check in back with you guys on Thursday so we can start to preview uh, the Auburn game that we've got coming up where we travel to Jordan-Hare, which is always a fun one. Uh, and then, again, if I have any other stats or anything like that, I'll bring it to you guys come that time. All right, coming into it here. Again, I'll check in with you guys. I'm basically going to say the same thing I just did. I'll check in with you guys for the preview episode of Auburn where we travel to Jordan Hare this week. Twitter, at DogTalk20. You guys make sure you go and check us out there. Really appreciate that. Um, go to the website, dogtalkpod.com. I'll check in with you guys on Thursday. Go dogs. <laughs>